Welcome to Embrace It All with Angela Adams. everybody welcome back I know it's been a month since I last recorded and I can't believe that a month has already gone by I had every intention of recording several podcasts while I've been home in in Arizona for the month of February and it just hasn't happened but I, I keep a notebook and I record thoughts and feelings of the things that I'm experiencing in hopes that I can record these Um, But sometimes when I come home, it's an adjustment period. It takes me a a minute or two, a week or two, to just kind of ease back into what it's like being at home. And this month in particular was a little bit different because I, a week after I got home, I went on a sister's trip with my mom and my sisters to Nashville. They had planned this um, months ahead or months before, and with the intention of getting, helping me to get away from it all. And it was wonderful. I got to tell you, it was exactly what I needed. I needed to laugh. I needed to cry a little bit. I needed to be silly with my sisters as we, we get um, when we're all together and get away from it all. And it was it was such a nice gift that they gave to me. And I, you know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about this and realizing that, you know, they were comforting me. By going on this trip, they were comforting me. And then it got me thinking about um, the, the promise I made at baptism. And when I was eight years old, eight years old I made a promise that I would mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And this is a promise I made with God. And, you know, at eight years old, I didn't quite fully understand that. But as I've grown up, I felt like I had a pretty good grasp on what that meant, mourning with those that mourn and comforting those that stand in need of comfort. But it wasn't until after Jessica's tragic death that my family and I, have come to a better understanding of what that truly means. I remember a few days after she had passed, one of my sons, as we were standing around the kitchen talking, he said, you know, mom, now I know. Now I really know. Now I know what others go through when they lose someone that they love so tragically. And now I know how to better mourn and comfort than ever before. And he was right. In these last six months, we have learned so much what it truly does mean to mourn with those that mourn and stand in need, or comfort those that stand in need of comfort. Excuse me. Coincidentally, one of the last nights, or it was the last night I was in Nashville, my sister came out of one of the rooms, and she had just talked to my niece, and my niece explained to her that just a few moments before 
she got word that her best friend's father had tragically died. And she asked her mom, Mom, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I don't know what to do. And Jerry Lynn came out and started. we started talking about this. And she said, Ange, I don't know what to tell her. What, what should she do? You, you're going through this right now. What can I tell her to do? And my response was to tell her that when the dust settles for a minute, go to her friend. Just go to her. Let her talk. Let her cry. Just sit with her. But going to her is the best thing that she could do. She can take something if she wants, but that's not necessary. Just being there. And that's what I have found in the last six months. Um, You know, sometimes we are afraid. We're afraid when someone we love um, might be going through something tragic or some trial. And sometimes we're afraid we might say the wrong thing or we might do the wrong thing. And so we often shy away from doing anything, right? And I know I'm, I've been guilty of this because we second guess ourselves that, you know, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I say the wrong thing? Then I'll make it things worse. And I want you to know that you won't. You won't. Yeah, you might say something silly. We all do. But you won't make it worse. In fact, what I have learned is the worst thing that you can do is doing nothing. What I am learning is that we go through some, when we go through something tragic and unexpected or, or even the death of someone that we love, even when it is expected, it hurts a lot. For me, I felt like suddenly I was all alone in this nightmare of, the, of a situation. I never thought anything like this would ever happen to me or my family, but it did. And as a result, we, we are learning through other people what it looks like to mourn with us and to comfort us. Jeffrey Holland says, you know, there will be moments when we see clear ways to help someone. And I think many people who have mourned with us and comforted us have fit into that category. But he says, however, many times mourning with those that mourn does not mean having the right answer to a question or giving a person the perfect resource. Many times mourning with those that mourn involves listening waiting, seeking to understand, and supporting the person through their journey. And I want to say that I agree 100% with that. We have had so many people, even still six months later, they're still waiting on us. They're still supporting us. They're still listening to us. That to me, is someone who knows how to mourn and how to comfort. I wanted to share a few examples, personal examples that we have had that might help you um, when you find yourself in this situation. 
So what did mourning with and comforting our family look like? I want to share, share these. It looks like friends who dropped everything and showed up at my door almost immediately after word got out that Jessica was missing. And these friends came without being asked and were willing to run back and forth to the mountain, taking water, taking food, taking anything to my husband and Dan and my three boys. Or it looks like a friend who decided to come over and take over my phone. I was inundated with phone calls and texts from friends and family members and strangers in the community. And she took that over. And what a blessing that was. What a comfort that was to me. It looks like friends and strangers that dropped everything, everything, and looked for Jessica that day. We got so many texts, so many messages from people we didn't even know that said, hey, we're here. Hey, just want you to know we're looking. Friends who showed up with food both on the mountain that day and at our home that day just to feed our grandsons because just the thought of making anything was so hard for me to do. Comforting. Looks like siblings who dropped everything they were doing and flew from all over the country to be with me the next morning. Some were on vacation and they dropped everything. It looks like countless numbers of people who brought in food for weeks because they knew my family was going to be here for a lot longer than they had anticipated. And those that came listened. They just listened. Or others who brought activities knowing that my grandsons needed more things to do because they were going to be here for a lot longer. And not only activities, but very thoughtful activities. Friends who went in on purchasing and altering suits for Jessica's husband's husband, excuse me, and boys, so they would look nice for their mom's funeral. There were so many that reached out to us and shared a favorite picture or an experience they had with Jessica or a memory that they had with Jessica. And those, those were such a comfort to us. And they meant so much to us and they still do. A neighbor who had dinner ready for my son-in-law, my grandsons, and Dave and I when we arrived in Oregon. It was there sitting on the counter at the very time we walked in. It was amazing. And then other friends in Oregon who, before we even got there, rallied around and put together a a dinner, a dinner calendar that stretched three months so that my son-in-law and I didn't have to cook for a while. It looks like many who still reach out and check in. I get daily texts, either from my sisters, from my friends. My husband will get phone calls. He has coworkers who pull him aside and talk. People at church who give me a hug when they haven't seen me for a month just to let 
let me know that they're thinking of me. That's what mourning and comforting looks like. Basically, it's people who just show up, who continue to show up, either physically or, like I said, through emails, calls, messages, offers of help, like making sure my husband and boys had a ride to the airport for Christmas and waiting hours for them to get off the plane. Understanding that life doesn't just go back to normal months after the funeral and they still reach out. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, sometimes when the funeral and the dust settles and the funeral's over and things get back to normal for everybody else, the person or the family that that experiences the loss of a loved one, their lives don't. It takes a very, very long time. In fact, they will never be normal again. And those that just, even just a a smile or a hug means more than I think anybody will ever know. That to us, that is what we are learning as a family. We are learning better how to truly mourn and comfort those that need it. I The sisters trip was truly one of those one of those times. We laughed, we cried a little, and we laughed some more. And that was such a comfort to me. So my friends, Next time you know somebody that might need just a little bit of comforting, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do something, even if it is just something small. Doing nothing is the worst thing that you can do. Let's face it, we all need comforting, right? We all need comforting. And I guess... I just want to challenge all of you to look for ways that you can do that around you today. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you today. Have a wonderful day, and hopefully I will talk to you soon.